for a lot of people, even a lot of Christians, the final book of the Bible, the New Testament book of Revelation, is at best very confusing, or potentially at worst, even upsetting or scary. Yet it's not meant to be. From the very beginning, Jesus says that this revelation of him, that this revelation from him, is meant to be a blessing. And when we struggle too much with it, it might be that we're reading it selfishly, that we think of prophecy as being exclusively about predicting the future, and we make it about predictions for our future, and we worry about seeing the things that are depicted in Revelation as literally happening on the earth as we presently know it. Or we might zoom in too tightly on any one aspect of the picture, trying to overinterpret certain elements of it so that the picture as a whole becomes fuzzy. Yet, as the book of Revelation really kicks into gear in Revelation chapters 4 through 5, when John, who at that moment was in exile on the island of Patmos, hears Jesus speak to him, and is invited to step into a door into heaven. What he sees there provides a reminder that not only gives meaning to everything else the book of Revelation is about to show, but puts all of life then and now in a completely different perspective. In Revelation chapter 4, beginning with the first verse, after this I looked, and behold, a door standing open in heaven. And the first voice, which I had heard speaking to me like a trumpet, said, Come up here, and I will show you what must take place after this. At once I was in the Spirit, and behold, a throne stood in heaven with one seated on the throne. And he who sat there had the appearance of jasper and carnelian, and around the throne was a rainbow that had the appearance of an emerald. Around the throne were 24 thrones, and seated on the thrones were 24 elders clothed in white garments with golden crowns on their heads. From the throne came flashes of lightning and rumblings and peals of thunder. And before the throne were burning seven torches of fire, which are the seven spirits of God. And before the throne there was, as it were, a sea of glass, like crystal. And around the throne, on each side of the throne, are four living creatures, full of eyes in front and behind. The first living creature like a lion, the second living creature like an ox, the third living creature with the face of a man, and the fourth living creature like an eagle in flight. And the four living creatures, each of them with six wings, are full of eyes all around and within. And day and night, they never cease to say, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty, who was and is and is to come. And whenever the living creatures give glory and honor and thanks to him who's seated on the throne, who lives forever and ever, the 24 elders fall down before him who is seated on the throne and worship him who lives forever and ever. 
they cast their crowns before the throne saying, worthy are you, our Lord and God, to receive glory and honor and power for you created all things and by your will they existed and were created. Then I saw in the right hand of him who was seated on the throne a scroll written within and on the back, sealed with seven seals. And I saw a mighty angel proclaiming with a loud voice, Who is worthy to open the scroll and break its seals? And no one in heaven or on earth or under the earth was able to open the scroll or to look into it. And I began to weep loudly because no one was found worthy to open the scroll or to look into it. And one of the elders said to me, weep no more. Behold, the life of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, has conquered so that he can open the scroll and its seven seals. And between the throne and the four living creatures and among the elders I saw a lamb standing as though it had been slain, with seven horns and with seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God, sent out into all the earth. And he went and took the scroll from the right hand of him who was seated on the throne. And when he had taken the scroll, the four living creatures and the 24 elders fell down before the Lamb, each holding a harp and golden bowls full of incense, which are the prayers of the saints. And they sang a new song, saying, Worthy are you to take the scroll and to open its seals, for you were slain, and by your blood you ransomed people for God from every tribe and language and people and nation, and you have made them a kingdom and priests to our God, and they shall reign on the earth. Then I looked and I heard around the throne and the living creatures and the elders the voice of many angels numbering myriads of myriads and thousands of thousands saying with a loud voice, Worthy is the Lamb who was slain to receive power and wealth and wisdom and might and honor and glory and blessing. And I heard every creature in heaven and on earth and under the earth and in the sea and all that is in them saying, To him who sits on the throne and to the Lamb be blessing and honor and glory and might forever and ever. And the four living creatures said, Amen. And the elders fell down and worshipped. Now let there be no mistake. With these devotionals, I am by no means saying that Revelation is an easy book. What we read here, it's different than anything else you read in the New Testament, which so much of is devoted to telling a story, the literary genre we know as narrative, or writing a letter, something that we're all familiar with, how you address somebody and convey important information. But this, this is something different. This is apocalyptic language, not necessarily meaning the end of the world, but the revealing of an unseen world. And when John is invited to step through a door into heaven, that's exactly what happens here. 
And it can be confusing. It can be intimidating. Who are the 24 elders? What does he mean that there's seven spirits of God? And there can be a temptation for us there to fixate on any one part of that and to zoom in so closely that we just find ourselves confused and thrown off and we don't know what's going on. But step back and look at the picture. It's a beautiful picture, a glorious picture with the imagery being conveyed in the richest, most majestic of terms as John glimpses God's throne, as he hears ceaseless praise and worship being lifted for God until that moment of silence, until that moment of great sorrow when it's clear that there is a purpose that God has that can't be unfolded because no one was worthy to open it. No one but one. A lion... Or was it a lamb? A lamb that had been slain yet was there in God's presence alive. What's the picture there? What's being revealed to us? Remember, this whole book, it's a revelation of Jesus Christ. From Jesus, showing those who are serving him what must soon take place. Something that had to be meaningful for Christians there in the first century. So we shouldn't just read it as being about us or predicting our future. But also a revelation of Jesus Christ in the sense that it allows us to glimpse things from a different perspective. Reaching for symbols, using language as best as we can to try to understand something that goes beyond our comprehension. John is revealing for us this image of this purpose that God has in Jesus alone being worthy of unfolding. Jesus alone being the one who's able to cause it all to take place and it changes the weeping. Weeping happening there in God's presence no less because his will wasn't able to unfold. To turn into joy as all of heaven and earth and under the earth rejoices that God's purpose is now able to move forward. That is where we begin with everything that follows. To make sense of revelation, we must remember that starting point, that the focus is there on Jesus, and that the things that are happening, the things that are happening as the book of Revelation unfolds, the things that are happening as we struggle in the world, as John also did, it's full of pain and disappointment, persecution, disease, tribulation. That ultimately, Jesus is in control. That the things that unfold from this point forward unfold because of Jesus' victory over sin and death, his death, burial, and resurrection. And as these things come about, it is Jesus, the lamb that was slain, that's holding the scroll, that's in charge. That perspective can help us as we navigate even more difficult images in the chapters that follow in Revelation to remember that it's really about Jesus, that he is the one who's ultimately in control, that the victory is already won, but it can also help us as we navigate our own hardships in life. Because this reminds us, as it would have reminded the first people to hear this revelation that Jesus is in control. It can change our perspective on the things that we suffer, on the way that our world is in turmoil. 
when we remember that God has an overarching purpose, that because of Jesus, that purpose will be fulfilled. And when we see rich imagery here of worship around God's throne, it can change our perspective to recognize those things that are happening in God's presence, singing, praying, declaring how worthy he is. Well, those are things that you and I can do every time we gather with other Christians on a Sunday morning in a building like this, in a home as part of a small group, in a network of secret house churches because we're living in a world that looks a lot like the world of John's day, where Christians are a persecuted minority, as is true in some parts of our world today. That you can gather with other Christians and you can sing and you can pray and you can declare that the Lamb is worthy, that He reigns, and that puts life in a different perspective. Even while we're here, even while we struggle and suffer, Jesus has revealed to us that there is more because of him.